This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Cats at night. Now here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at night. John Katsimatidis here the number one show at five o'clock and you know, we tell you things that you can't get anywhere else, and uh, even even Russian intelligence, the KGB listens in, the uh, uh, Chinese. Chinese intelligence listens in, and they find out what's going on from just from <laughs> us. And uh, we have a great show for you today. We have Judge Richard Weinberg in the studio, Craig Eaton in the studio, and back from Daha. We Doha. Have, uh, Doha, Daha, it's all the Qatar, same stuff. Qatar, wherever. Well, Qatar, is it Qatar or Qatar or, or Qatar? Qatar. Why did they say Qatar? Uh, Qatar, we have, uh, Qatar. Okay. Former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, we have uh, Tony Carbonetti. And you had a good time? Had a wonderful time. How come Budweiser can't sell their beer there? There's some Budweiser beer around. But more importantly, I mean, I saw Brazil, Cameroon, England, uh, Argentina, Mexico. I saw everyone play. Everyone was having a wonderful time. Beautiful. My God. And Lydia Serrano, you had a good day so far? Absolutely. And I'm going to have an even better day because we got a hot show for everyone tonight on the line for us right now. We have Professor Alan Dershowitz, the leading constitutional lawyer in the country, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. He's uh, still in Israel. And right now he has a great book out, his 50th, The Price of Principle. Welcome back to Cats at Night. More important, we got some breaking news. Oh. He just finished meeting. Wait, Where's wait, breaking news? Wait one second, one second. Breaking news. W. ABC. Uh, Professor Dershowitz has just finished meeting 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, uh, with uh, the uh, Prime Minister-elect Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, give us some hot news, uh, uh, Professor. Well, I decided to stay in Israel and meet Netanyahu instead of accepting the offer of the Emir of Qatar to go to Doha and watch the World Cup. I love soccer. Alan, you'd have had a great time. Television. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. But I had a great time meeting with my old friend, B.B. I've known him since the early 1970s, half a century. And he's a great, great leader of Israel. And he's putting together his cabinet now. And I met actually with two people uh, who are uh, supposed to be in the cabinet, both of them extreme right wingers who a lot of Americans uh, are, are opposed to. And, and B.B.'s trying to create a cabinet that is acceptable, obviously, to the people of Israel. That's the first criteria. They're Israeli government officials, but also acceptable to the Biden administration and acceptable to American Jews. And um, so uh, it's a balancing act. And, of course, Bibi's also under investigation himself for accepting uh, cigars and, and, and champagne uh, from friends. Uh, when I met him the first thing yet, when I first met him, I said to him, I'm going to give you a gift now. It'll probably have to be reported. I gave him a copy of my newest book, and I said, you don't have to report this because it's absolutely worthless. So uh, <laughs> he, he agreed, and uh, you know, we had a really, really, really good talk about everything, ranging from Iran to terrorism to um, uh, the Biden administration to who's going to win the next election 
um, uh, you know, he's a, he's just one of the most intelligent leaders in the world today. And I think he will put the, the, the government together. He said to me, it's like a Rubik cube. You get everything right. And then at the last minute, there's one thing wrong and you have to redo the whole thing. So, um, actually when, when he saw me, he was in the middle of seeing potential cabinet members and he took time out to see me because I've known him for so many years and I've never been to Israel without having an opportunity to see him. And tomorrow I'm meeting the president of Israel, who's an old friend of mine, too. And I met the heads of the intelligence. I met the heads of the Air Force. Uh, so I'm really getting an inside look at what's going on um, in Israel today. Does he have common sense? Oh, common sense. Are you kidding? I mean, he's the most pragmatic common sense guy imaginable. I mean, he is um, he has there's a Yiddish word for it. It's called Sechel. Sechel. He has incredible intuitive insights into people and into everything. The first day I got to Israel, he called me at 1230 at night. That was the middle of his working day. I'm sleeping. It's the middle of his working day. He never sleeps. When I saw him uh, just now, he had been up until 530 the night before. And so, um, you know, and he's read everything. He reads everything. And he's just written a new book called Bibi, in which he inscribed uh, to me and gave me a copy. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's uh, available now, and, and it gives you insights into the death of his brother. You remember Yoni Netanyahu was killed in the rescue in Entebbe. Uh, he was the only soldier killed, uh, rescuing 100 innocent people from a terrorist uh, attack uh, in Entebbe where they hijacked an airplane. And so, uh, you know, he, he himself has been a commander. He broke uh, when Sabina Airlines was uh, hijacked. He was one of the commanders who dressed up like a mechanic, went on the plane and shot and killed all the terrorists and saved wow. all the people wow. on the plane. So, and and what was – before we go back to the United States for uh, some interesting things that sure. are going on, uh, what was the one big thing that, uh, that you got from him? Well, the one big thing is that um, many Americans are worried that the Israeli government is going to move too far right on issues like uh, gay rights. And and he assured me, he said, Alan, I've known you 50 years. Look me in the eye. I assure you we will not set back basic human rights, no matter who's in the cabinet. There will be equality. There will be equal treatment of gays. There will be equal treatment of Arabs. And no matter what's in the government— um, I'm in charge, he said, and I'm never going to let um, uh, those principles be violated. He's a very principled guy and a very pragmatic guy. When I said, gave him my book, I wrote to him, a man of great principle and pragmatism. And that's the balance you always need for a prime minister. So, you know, I'm a big fan. Alan, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I'd like to turn your attention to Elon Musk revelations uh, on yeah. Twitter yeah. and what was going on and a whole censorship issue and the collusion between government agencies, allegedly, and big media, big, big tech. What do you think about this? Well, it's terrible. I mean, it's terribly dangerous. I wrote a column about it. If, in fact, the government put its thumb on the scale and basically coerced uh, Twitter not to reveal information about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, that really does constitute interference with an election. Now, that doesn't give Trump an excuse to say what he said today, namely that the Constitution doesn't apply because there was so much uh, fraud. Uh, you can't ignore the Constitution. He wants to be president. And if he wants to be president, the first thing he does is raise his hand to God 
and 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 commit himself to comply with the Constitution of the United States. So, you know, he can't be president if he doesn't believe the Constitution governs elections, even if you disagree with the outcome. But, exactly right. But, uh, exactly right. Yeah, but yeah, but the you know, uh, it's very disturbing. Uh, the the Elon Musk revelations are very disturbing, and apparently there's more to come. And um, you know, it's just the government should not be telling social media what they can and can't do, particularly in a partisan way. This was just weeks before the election. Remember, the New York um, Post uh, had major disclosures, and they wanted to put it on Twitter, and and Twitter banned it and prevented millions and millions of people from seeing these revelations. And the FBI FBI had that laptop for over a year, Alan. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't know what the truth is, but the public has the right to judge based on the whole truth not just selected truth decided by partisan politicians. And so this is going to also call for hearings on the role of social media and the role of government to make sure that they don't tell tell social media uh, what to do and what not to do in a partisan manner. Uh, This is a scandal, and we have to get to the bottom of it and find out the truth. In New York today, they found uh, Trump's company guilty. Uh, but there's only some is, there's only civil it's penalties. Yeah, no, it's a fine. And uh, today, the January 6th committee, which isn't a committee at all, it's a kangaroo court. They said they were going to make re- uh, referrals of criminal cases to the Justice Department. Now, I can tell you what I think the Justice Department ought to do with the referrals of uh, January 6th committee. Throw them, them up and throw them in the garbage pail and totally ignore them. They have no credibility whatsoever. The Justice Department should do its own investigation. Professional people, not the Adam Schiff's of the world, not uh, other people who have a, a, a bias. Remember, January 6th committee started with a narrative. Uh, they booted off the committee. People who disagreed uh, with them yep. and the committee was uh, had no dissenters, uh, no opportunity for another side to be uh, presented. Uh, and so nobody should take seriously anything the January 6th committee comes up with. Look, if they have evidence, hard evidence, that's fine if it speaks for itself. But nothing in terms of conclusions of the committee should be given any weight whatsoever. They never turned over the pre-incident plan that showed what intel they had from the Internet, from social media, how they planned on securing Didn't the Capitol. Didn't some of those Capitol Police commit suicide? Well, you know, for me, the so, some of them, the yeah. January 6th Post. bias, to me, that proved the January 6th bias is they played portions of President Trump's ill-advised January 6th speech, but they deliberately doctored the tape and they left out the words peacefully and patriotically. Now, that's not what a committee is supposed to do. That's horrible. That's what Senator McCarthy would do, but that's not what uh, a committee controlled by Democrats would do, doctor a tape and leave out the two critical words that make it clear that the speech, though ill-advised, was protected by the First Amendment. And just to go back to the Trump organization, too, Trump was not found guilty on anything. His organization, it's like, John, you used it. You had a great example of, like, if I took the company car, I'm, you know— I mean, at the end of the day, Trump, a $1.6 million fine for a Trump, an organization that huge. Is that a big deal or not, Professor Dershowitz? Well, the fine itself uh, is just, uh, you know, Trump change for uh, the Trump administration. But the jurors seem to suggest that this was a pervasive 
uh, fraud and uh, and and you know it's worth it's worth looking into. But Trump wasn't charged; he didn't defend himself, and so uh, he has to be presumed not guilty. But uh, the company itself, you know, which is a very very large company, uh, the jury found uh, did do some things that um, uh, constituted uh, improper actions, and uh, they're going to have to pay for that. Professor, this and, is Craig uh, Eaton. Yeah, you know what it is? What's funny is Craig, Craig Eaton, go ahead. Yeah. What's funny, Professor, is that the media calls it the Trump Organization, but it was really Trump Corp and the Trump Payroll Corp. Mm-hmm. And what they do is you have the AG investigating Donald Trump right now since September, and then you have this case, and the mainstream media sort of homogenizes it as if it's Donald Trump that's in trouble here, but it really isn't. Correct. It's his company. Right. And, and, and they don't the they don't have a distinction for that. Well, his right. his CFO that pleaded guilty. Yeah. Uh, he ended up uh, using the company car too yeah. much. He yeah. used the company apartment yeah. too much. Uh, over 20 years, yeah. it was one point six, one point nine million. Yeah. So now they're, they're 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 charging the Trump organization. So over 20 years, yeah. whatever it is, one point six million. I'm just estimating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, remembered too. The other thing that has to be remembered is that Letitia James, who I like personally, she's a very nice. I do too. Um, She campaigned on the issue of getting Trump, and this was before she heard a bit of evidence. Mm. And so, of course, she came in with a predisposition as well to get Trump, and that was her campaign promise. If she fails in that campaign promise, she's not going to get reelected, and that's not the way prosecutors. What to operate, focusing on people and then trying to find crimes or civil liabilities. What did Stalin say? Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Uh, yeah. Show me the show me the man and I'll find you the crime. Right. Yeah. Um, you can find crimes. And when you have complicated businesses, uh, there's always going to be here and there something that deviates from the norm. And the question is priorities. Last, last question before in, break. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we had Rabbi Potashnik on yesterday. He was Great accusing man. Harvard mm. of being anti-Semitic. Well, it's a report that came out that said that. That's right. It's a, it's a report. Uh, now, Harvard has a, a, you know, a great president, a Jewish president, a Zionist president who has a mezuzah on his door. Uh, Harvard itself is not anti-Semitic. There are faculty and students who are and uh, it's not the worst. Berkeley, University of California, oh. Berkeley, is the worst. It banned 14 clubs, 14 clubs. The feminist club, gay club said no Zionists, which basically means no Jews, will be allowed to speak at any of those clubs on any subject. So if I wanted to volunteer to speak to a feminist group about abortion, I'd have to take an oath that I'm not a Zionist. But I am a Zionist. I'm a proud Zionist. And I would never deny my Zionism. Well, Professor Dershowitz, uh, stay safe in Israel and look forward to you. Come back to the uh, good old USA and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Great, great, great being on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, we're 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 going to go to break. Take a break right yeah, we're going to go to break. And we're going to com- come back. We're going to talk about the NYPD statistics with Manhattan Institute's Heather McDonald. You don't want to miss it. Keep it right here. Cats at night. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.